Our speaker this morning is named Heather Hall. Heather is director of the Louisiana Justice Coalition and has been since 2004. Before that, she worked as the public education and legislative associate for the ACLU of Louisiana. Heather grew up in a rural farming community in upstate New York, served two terms of national service with AmeriCorps, graduated college um, in 2002 from University of Rochester with degrees in religion and history, and has been living in New Orleans since 2002. Since January, she's been coming up here to Caddo uh, about every other week <clears throat> to collaborate on a community defense project. That's the title of it, I think. And she came highly recommended by the Lyons Walker family. Would you please help me welcome Heather Hall? Good morning. Um, thank you very much uh, to those who are responsible for inviting me here and to come and talk about public defense and um, to everybody else for coming in spite of that. Um, thank you for also um, just really a wonderful introduction. Um, it's, uh, it was really very moving. And some of the people uh, that I'm going to talk about today are here in the, in the room, and um, they're some of the people that I just respect and love as much as anyone in the world. So I feel really uh, fortunate to be here in your company today. I want to ask how many of you know the name of the district public defender in Caddo Parish, if you know what his name is. What about Bossier or Webster Parish, it's the 26th, or even DeSoto and Sabine? I wonder if anybody knows the name of the new state public defender, which just came on in June. Great, a couple. Is there anybody who knows the deputy public defender and is charged with overhauling the, overhauling the quality of juvenile defense services across the state? You should know him. He's here today. Or if you know the name of the first social worker in the state of Louisiana to be associated with a public defender office, to single-handedly, step-by-step, take on the vast machinery of our prison industrial complex and bring change to the criminal justice system. She's here today, too. Or if you know any line defender who gets up when the alarm goes off in the morning, hops in the shower, and rushes off to work in the office of the public defender and in the courts and jails and neighborhoods of this community, I believe that you must know these people. They are, without a doubt, our community's most valuable asset. And I'm not saying that because some of them are here today. I'm not saying it because it's my job and that's my talking point. I'm saying it because it is just undoubtedly true, and it is because of the work that they do that brought me in my life to do the work that I do. The truth is, it's really hard to appreciate the right to counsel 
until you've been accused of a crime, arrested, and you need a lawyer. And so I think it's actually a really productive exercise, as unpleasant as it may be, to imagine leaving church today and being arrested. And I know you've got a grocery list in your pocket, you've got kids to pick up, you're having people over for dinner. You should really find time to walk the dog. You want to make the most of every minute that's left of this beautiful weekend because you've got a mountain of stuff ahead of you next week. But if you're arrested and you go to jail, your life stops. And if you get your phone call, just to keep in mind, it's going to cost you $4 a minute to call from jail to try and figure out how you're going to manage the next hour, the next day, the next week. And when you're sitting in jail, it's going to start to dawn on you what you're up against. Because going to jail and losing your freedom isn't about not being able to come and go as you want or having to eat bad prison food. It's about losing control of your future and becoming part of a system that doesn't make sense to many people, even the people that work in it every day. It's a system that doesn't work particularly well. It's a system that moves at the pace of a snail. It's a system where a piece of misplaced paper or the failure of a police officer to show up means you lose another three, six, nine months of your life. When you're in that system, you have one ally, and that ally is your lawyer. And it is your lawyer's job to protect your rights, to assert them, to figure out what work needs to be done so that your story gets told, to do that work, to negotiate for your best interest, to get an outcome for your life. That lawyer holds your life and liberty in their hands. And if you are too poor to hire the lawyer of your choosing, you are going to be appointed a lawyer. And you're going to sit there with all your life running by and you're in jail and you may not even know that person's name. And you're going to sit there and you're going to know that lawyer, that person who holds your life and liberty in their hands doesn't know your name. And it's in that moment that the right to counsel starts to mean something. I would say it's in that moment the right to counsel means everything. Clarence Earl Gideon was 51 years old when he was arrested on felony charges in Florida. He was brought to court. He was too poor to afford an attorney, so he asked the court to provide one for him. The court refused. So Mr. Gideon represented himself and was quickly tried, convicted, and sentenced. And from a jail cell in Florida, he hand-wrote a petition in pencil to the United States Supreme Court saying that it wasn't fair that he was denied an attorney simply because he was too poor to afford one. And the Supreme Court agreed. And in 1963, Gideon v. Wainwright, the right to counsel was guaranteed, and Clarence Earl Gideon became an American hero. 
But Gideon isn't just a court case, and it's not just a citation in legal proceedings. Clarence Earl Gideon was a human being. He was a man. He was a son and a brother. And he worked almost every single day of his life. He was a husband. He was a father. He had six kids. And he wrote in a letter to the Supreme Court, he wrote, I am not proud of the story that is my life, but I hope that one day I am restored to the love of my children, for that is the only love I have ever known. And so when we talk about Gideon, we talk about the right to counsel, I always try to think about Gideon the man, Gideon the human being. And I think about the stories that I heard from uh, a number of prisoners pre-trial represented by the Public Defender Office in the Caddo Correctional Center. Our social worker in Caddo Parish, Jamie, and I spent six weeks in jail interviewing people, listening to people's stories. And every time I think about the right to counsel, every time I think about public defense, I think about Mr. Gideon, and I think about the stories that I've been lucky enough to hear from prisoners, and I want to share a couple of them with you today. I want to share the story of a young man, 18 years old, arrested in jail, worried that he was going to be able to receive his Pell Grant financial aid scholarship, worried because college registration was two days ago and he missed it because he was in jail, knowing that if he's convicted of his misdemeanor and he didn't, he was then ineligible for his Pell Grant, it didn't matter if he got registered, it didn't matter if he got out in time to go to classes because he wasn't going to be able to afford to go back to college. I want to tell you the story of a young woman who stole a credit card from her mom to go to the gas station and buy $20 worth of food for herself and her two-week-old baby. Or the story of a guy who'd never been in trouble before his whole life. That's actually not true. He was in trouble when he was 14. He was drinking beer behind his grandmother's house, and he got caught by his grandmother. He got in trouble with his grandmother. But now he's 34, never been in trouble, And his wife's sister leaves her husband because he's abusing her, and he finds himself the provider of not only his wife and his two kids, but his wife's sister and their three kids. And so he comes to the oil fields of Caddo Parish to try and make more money to support his family. And he works 10 days straight, and he goes out, and he decides he doesn't trust himself to drive home. So he falls asleep and spends the night in his friend's car, and he wakes up to sheriff deputies. And he's in jail the day that I interview him, The $5,000 bond, he's been there for 12 days. He can't scrape together $600 to get out. And he's hoping that that day the public defender comes and talks to him, explains what's going on, tells him what he should do. Or the story of a man, a divorced guy, whose wife loses, is not fit to take care of their kids, so his three kids come over and he becomes the primary parent. So he quits his job and he gets a better job at Willis-Knighton so his kids can be on his health insurance. But the health insurance won't cover his pre-existing condition and the medicine he's been taking for the last 12 years isn't covered and so he goes without. Six weeks later, without his medicine, he's in jail. Or the story of John Polinski, Jr., who you may have read about in the paper on the occasion of his 54th arrest. 53 nonviolent arrests 
John Polinski Jr. has spent most of his life in jail, much of it with his father. He's a drug addict. He steals so that he can use, and that's the cycle. Jamie and I did those interviews, and we heard those stories, and those stories weren't really surprising. Um, Maybe what's surprising is just that everyone has a story to tell and that everyone has a story that's worth listening to. But the thing that surprised, I think, both of us the most was that 80% of the people that we interviewed came from this community. 80% had lived all of their lives, most or all of their lives, in Bossier or Caddo Parish. They were born in these hospitals. They went to these schools. They have jobs in this economy. Their kids are part of this community. That's the truth. And the other thing that we learned, we asked a 150-question survey. And to me, this was the hardest question that we asked. It might have been to Jamie, too. The question was, have you had any visitors? And 60% of the time, the answer was, only you. Only you. And so the question to me is, how do you defend John Polinski, Jr.? How do you defend someone who's been battling a drug addiction for 25 years and never been offered treatment? How do you defend someone who steals so that they can eat? How do you defend someone who whose charge is directly related to the fact that they can't get the medicine that they need to be healthy. Public defenders, on a new day of public defense, with a new, de- with a new definition of what it means to provide the right to counsel, can do a better job, the best job, at defending people like Mr. Polinsky or any of the other people that I've talked about. It may be intuitive to us to look at a whole person, to look at their underlying issues, to look at what they need, what their family needs, to get the whole story. That is not where the criminal justice system is. We live in Caddo Parish, the parish with the highest incarceration rate of any parish in the state, and the state with the highest incarceration rate of any state in the country, in the country, the highest incarceration rate of any place on earth. The criminal justice system needs to change. And public defenders are the most effective, valuable, possible way to make that change. Our project in Caddo Parish brings a social worker into the mix to to help get that story, to talk to people in a way that they have not, to defendants in a way that they've not been used to having been talked to, to explore alternatives, to get the real story, to provide treatment when it's a more effective remedy than incarceration. It's the first place in the state to do that. It's an amazing, amazing program. If you limit ourselves, if we limit ourselves to looking at people as charges, within the confines of a criminal charge, we fail our neighbors, we fail the public, we fail the cause of justice. We need to look at them as people. 
And public defenders are the best. They are ethically and professionally bound to advocate for their best interests. They are allies. They are friends. They are helpers. They are in the best position to make sure that the people that they serve for their criminal charges get the best opportunities to reintegrate into our community with the best chances uh, for success and rehabilitation. And public defenders are like all of us. We all fall short of our potential. They need help. They need support. They need you to know their names. I was walking along the lake in Lake Charles um, this summer, and it was hot. It was July. It was like 10 o'clock at night. We were walking across, and there was a bunch of people fishing. And one of them says, I'm walking with a public defender from Calcasieu Parish, and one of the guys in this group calls out. He says, hey, Mr. Bergeron, uh, you know, how are you? Do you remember me? And it was one of his former clients, and he was out fishing. And they talked for a few minutes, and as we were leaving, I could hear him turn to his friends, and he said, hey, guys, that's my defender. That's him. And I think we all need to, to know our defenders in our community. We need to know them like that. We need to be proud of them. They are low men and women on the totem pole. I cringe every time there's an election season. I imagine that they must just have to fortify themselves to go forth into the world as everyone talks about being tough on crime. Everyone distances themselves from the heroic work that they do. But they are public defenders. They defend not just the accused public. They defend the general public, the working public, the taxpaying public, the you and me public. We need to know their names. We need to support them and appreciate them. We need to help them do everything that they can do. If they can do that, if they can hear their stories, if they can help them, if they can defend their rights and get their uh, court outcomes and can give them the best chances of success for being parents and being fathers, mothers, spouses, employees, We will have a safer, stronger community. We'll have a better place to live for our own children. And that's that's the message I wanted to leave you with today, is that these are the good guys. They're the guys that get up every morning and go to work. And it's a hard, 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 hard job to listen to those stories. But nobody... Nobody knows more about truth and freedom and justice than they do. Nobody knows more about the misery of poverty. No one knows more about the strength of families, the stress of a crisis. No one knows more about how bad a story can get, how far a person can come, than a public defender. They are in the belly of the beast And it's not just about a Thanksgiving holiday when everyone's feeling charitable and compassionate. That's what they've picked for their careers. They've picked that calling. And in my view, they've picked us. And they're real heroes. And I hope that you know who they are because you seek them out and you applaud them. Thank you.